Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Qualifying for and playing in the Masters is a huge accomplishment. Of course, playing on the PGA Tour is a huge accomplishment. To have the talent to play in Major League Baseball is incredible. Think about all the dreams that die in the minor leagues. Now, think about the talent one must possess to play in the majors, play in the World Series, play on the PGA Tour, and to qualify for the Masters. Only one man has ever done so. And next, on Sports Forgotten Heroes, we're going to talk about that guy, Sam Burr. This is Sports Forgotten Heroes, a tribute to the stars who shape the games we love to watch and the games we love to play. Stars who provided us with many thrills, but when their time was up, they faded away. We'll take a look back at their spectacular careers, their moments of fame, even if it was just for one season or just one game. And now, here's your host, Warren Rogan. Hello and welcome to Sports Forgotten Heroes, episode number 119. Sam Bird. What an incredible story. What an amazing career. Not only did he play in the majors, he was Babe Ruth's backup. He played for the New York Yankees, was solid off the bench, did well when he got a chance to start, played for six seasons with the Yankees and two with the Cincinnati Reds. He was a career 274 hitter, slugged 38 dingers, over the course of his career, and had he played for a different team, he might have been a full-time starter. However, if that had happened, perhaps Sam would have never realized his second career, that of being a professional golfer on the PGA Tour, where he became the first and only man in history to play in the Masters after having appeared in a Baseball World Series. And Sam wasn't just some novelty who made it by the skin of his teeth. No, he was good. He won 11 times on the tour. In the 1945 PGA Championship, he made it to the finals when the PGA was a match play event. He made it against Byron Nelson losing 4-3, and three, and to his credit, he won the Greater Greensboro Open, the Chicago Victory National Open, the Texas Open where he beat Nelson by one stroke, and he also won on the Senior PGA Tour. A remarkable career on the golf course. And on the baseball diamond, he also had some pretty amazing highlights. And joining me today on Sports Forgotten Heroes to talk about Sam is Stephen Rice, who penned a terrific bio about Bird for the Sabre Bio Project. A lot of research went into this bio, and 
For those who don't know, the Sabre Bio Project is a massive undertaking by the Society of Baseball Research where the goal is to have a bio written about as many baseball players as possible. Today, there are thousands. Now, before I get to my conversation with Stephen, just a few friendly reminders. Please follow Sports Forgotten Heroes on Twitter at Sports F Heroes. Look for the Sports Forgotten Heroes page on Facebook. Check out the website, sportsfh.com. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please give Sports Forgotten Heroes a five-star rating. And if you're feeling up to it, please write a short review as well. If you want to get in touch with me, please email at sportsfh.info at gmail.com. That's sportsfh.info at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for your support. Hey, one last note. For more sports history, please check out the Sports History Network, of which Sports Forgotten Heroes is a proud member. That's the sportshistorynetwork.com. Okay, now let's get into today's show about Sam Bird with my guest, Stephen Rice. And joining me now on Sports Forgotten Heroes is Stephen Rice. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Hey, man, really interested in Sam Bird. He's quite the interesting topic because when you think of two sports stars, most of the time you would think of guys like uh, a Deion Sanders who was so good in baseball and football and Bo Jackson who, you know, is the poster boy for two, for two sports stars. But there are many others, you know, Dave DeBusher comes to mind and Danny Ainge played baseball for the Blue Jays and basketball for the Celtics. Um, Brian Jordan, Ernie Nevers, Gene Conley. They all played in two major professional sport leagues. But then there is Sam Bird. Tell us about who Sam was and what makes his story so unique? Well, Sam Bird grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, and his family lived beside the Roebuck Golf Course in Birmingham. And that golf course is still there, still operating today. Uh, and so as a, as a boy, he caddied at the golf course like it, like other uh, boys his age, he was interested in baseball and played baseball. He also played basketball, uh, but naturally he learned to play golf and uh, became proficient at it, uh, I imagine, at quite a young age. Uh, but he pursued baseball when uh, he had an opportunity to uh, go pro with the Birmingham Barons of the Southern Association minor league team. Uh, mm -hmm. And this was uh, in the mid 1920s. Uh, he, he, he rose up through the ranks and eventually became 
part of the New York Yankees organization. Well, he still maintained his interest in golf during this time, but at this point, his bread and butter, you know, he his ticket was appeared to be baseball. The good news is he joined a great team. The bad news is he joined a great team. In other words, <laughs> yeah. he couldn't break You're into the kidding. he couldn't break into the starting lineup, and there were. Um, you know, newspaper writers at the time who observed that, hey, this Sammy Bird is a heck of a player, but he's sitting on the bench for the Yankees because he can't crack the, the starting outfield. He was a he was an excellent fielder. He was speedy. He hit for a good average, um, <clears throat> and he made uh, a very good backup, a substitute, a fill-in, a defensive replacement a pinch runner, all of the things you like to have on your team. And he he got paid well. Uh, he, uh, uh, you know, he, he was part of these famous teams um, uh, for, of the New York Yankees from, uh, let me get the years right, from 1929 to 1934. Uh, and this was also the era when Lou Gehrig star starred, but most notably Babe Ruth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it, this was near the end of Babe Ruth's career. So Babe Ruth, uh, often uh, he would get sick or he would be out too late the night before and have a bellyache and they needed somebody to, to fill in for him. And, and uh, so often near the end of Babe Ruth's career, uh, he was, uh, he was replaced late in the game with a defensive uh, replacement in the outfield, and that was Sammy Bird. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> and uh, uh, this happened so often that Sammy Bird was nicknamed Babe Ruth's Legs. <laughs> you know, he was he was really good, obviously, in in both golf and baseball. And you said basically he chose baseball over golf because it's where he could make a, a better living. Would that be accurate? Yeah, that was his meal ticket. But what he found uh, as a major league ball player is golf was very popular with the major leaguers uh, and with Babe Ruth in particular. And so uh, whenever... Uh, Yankees would have a chance. Uh, this was probably more often uh, possible and during spring training, they would go off and play golf. And, mm -hmm. and Babe Ruth loved to play golf. And most people would have would have said Babe Ruth was, was one of the best golfers among major leaguers. But he wasn't as good as Sammy Bird. So it's kind of, no, yeah. it's kind of humorous. So so Bird was considered Babe Ruth's understudy in the Yankee outfield, but but on the golf course, Ruth was second fiddle to Bird. Ruth wasn't second fiddle to many people in in just about anything, but wow, you know, second fiddle to to his second fiddle is is saying something. Um, let let's let's look at Sam's baseball career. Let's start there. Um, overall, he hit 274 for his career. 
uh, had a modest 38 home runs, 220 RBIs, was a heck of a defensive ball player. He started his career, like you said, in 1929 with the Yankees, and he ended his career in 1936 with the Cincinnati Reds. How would you classify the baseball career of Sam Bird? Uh, he was a, a reserve. They would have called him a reserve outfielder uh, and pinch hitter. Um, he he really only became a starter that that first year after he left the Yankees when he when he went to the Cincinnati Reds in 1935. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know he'd waited a long time for his chance to um, to to become a starter in the Yankees outfield, and the uh, fate somehow was against it because. Uh, in 1935, um, it, let me get the dates right. I'm checking my notes. Well, I think it was I think it was 32. I think that's where you're going to go. Uh, um, in 32, he got his break. I mean, first of all, it wasn't just Babe Ruth. I mean, Earl Combs and Bob Musil and and Ben Chapman. These were the guys that Sam Bird had a had a beat out to get into the starting lineup of the New York Yankees as an outfielder. How does a guy get a fair shot at breaking into the lineup when you're sharing the same locker room with those guys? It it had to weigh on him. It had to be somewhat frustrating. Yeah, I imagine he was frustrated by it. Um, the But he was... He was a good-natured guy. He did. He understood his role on the team. Uh, he he filled that that uh, backup role quite well. So they they kept him for that role. Um, he uh, I think he was he was popular with his teammates. He's a relatively soft-spoken individual, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and. What what the irony is when he finally when he finally went to the Reds actually it was in December of 1934 when his contract was purchased by the Cincinnati Reds. Now the Reds were a terrible team at that time, and so Sam Bird was acquired to to become a starting outfielder on the 1935 Reds. So finally, he gets to be uh, a starter. Well, two months after uh, the Reds acquired him, Babe Ruth was released by the Yankees. He he was washed up. (laughs) Wow. And and even more ironic is that the very day that the Cincinnati Reds acquired his contract in December 1934 was the day the Yankees made a trade with the San Francisco Seals of the Pacific Coast League to acquire Joe DiMaggio. So the Yankees had their <laughs> the Yankees had their next great outfielder coming. Um, yeah. So I don't know that Bird would have gotten much opportunity uh, with the Yankees, um, but uh, he. But he. he, he 
Go ahead. He was going to get he uh, he was going to get an opportunity though. I think it was in 1932. Uh, he got his big break, and coming he had a fantastic spring, and they gave him the center field job, the starting yeah. job as the center fielder for the Yankees. He got off to a pretty torrid start. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that spring yeah. and how he started that season. Right. So so he almost broke through into the starting lineup and briefly did in April of 1932. He had, he had this amazing uh, spring where he was hitting home runs, more home runs than, than Babe Ruth. Unbelievable. And uh, he... So he started in center field from April 12th to April 23rd of, of 1932. He hit three, 389 with four home runs in eight games. But he ran into some health problems. He had sinus problems, and he ended up back on the bench. Um, now he returned to the starting lineup in September of that year for 15 games. Briefly, uh, I guess when one of the the regulars was was injured, um, and again he excelled, hit three forty three in that stretch. Uh, the Yankees won the pennant, but their starting outfield in the World Series was Babe Ruth, Earl Combs, and Ben Chapman, and Sammy Bird got to play in the last inning of the last game. Uh, as a defensive replacement for Ruth in the outfield, so he got to, so he made a token appearance. But it, but that was enough uh, for him. Later, uh, when he became a pro golfer and, and competed in the Masters, he is still today the only man to have appeared in the World Series and played golf in the famous Masters tournament. Yeah, you know, it's it's such a uh, unique combination, uh, excelling in golf and, you know, excelling in baseball. Um, but you just got to sit there and think to yourself, this guy had so much talent as a baseball player and he couldn't break through. And you're saying he was a very soft-spoken person. I just wonder how much, you know, if he ever expressed any displeasure with his situation as a baseball player. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see any evidence of that. Um, the so so after the one year with the Reds, when which he was a starter, even the Reds moved him to a backup role in 1936. And then they traded him to the St. Louis Cardinals organization who who wanted to demote him to the Rochester Red Wings, Rochester, New York team of the International League. Well, Bird at this point decided, uh, I'm not going to do that. Now's my time. I'm going to pursue pro golf. And Mm-hmm. He he had been told by top golfers at that of that era, Bobby Jones, Tommy Armour, famous names, that if he 
focused on golf, he could be a successful pro golfer. So this was his chance, finally. When baseball kind of gave up on him, he decided he was going to pursue professional golf. And he didn't hit it big on the pro golf circuit immediately. But by 1941, he was competing at the highest level. And he finished third in the Masters in 1941 and fourth in 1942. Yeah, before we get before we get into all that though, let's let's just uh head back to the uh baseball diamond for a moment. So he plays 29, 30, 31, 32 with the Yankees. Um, you know, he was a major league reserve for 4 years before I guess he got the golf itch. Um during those four years, did you find any evidence that he was still working on his golf game, working on his golf swing, and during the off season, or for that matter, during the season, was he playing in any tournaments? Okay, his he he definitely was playing golf during those early years of his career, and he would go out with Babe Ruth and other Yankees. Um, go golfing whenever they could, but he wasn't golfing enough to um, to really hone his game. Uh, his first his first pro golfing tournament, professional tournament, was at Pinehurst, North Carolina, in November 1933. So that was perhaps when he was ready to put his toe in the water and say, "Let me see how I can do." against the pros and mm-hmm. uh and that that december uh the the pros they gasped at his 300 yard tee shots they were amazed <laughs> and tommy arper tommy armor a-r-m-o-u-r famous golfer right. of the era he said i believe he can hit a golf a bird can hit a golf ball as far as anyone now living and i also believe with with a little more chance to play and practice, he would be one of the true stars of the game. So that's that's the encouragement he got near the end of 1933. But he wasn't ready to give up on baseball until after the 1936 season uh, when uh, he got traded to the Cardinals organization. They wanted to send him to the minors. He didn't want to go to the minors. The Cardinals said, well, well, we'll keep you as a bench player on the major league team. No, no, he didn't want he didn't want to do that anymore. It was time to to try uh, try a career in professional golf. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in that 33 tournament um, uh, where Jones said the guy could hit the ball, you know, a mile and and armor said he could hit it farther than anyone armor also said that he had one of the most uh, uh beautiful or best golf swings he had ever seen so what i'm wondering is what is there any evidence or did you ever read anything besides those quotes from from jones and armor which could be enough evidence that had Sam played golf instead of baseball, 
Could he have been one of the best to play golf during that time? Uh, he might have been. He might have been. Um, so we look at his ages during those years he played for the Yankees. He was he played for the Yankees from age 21 to 26. So that those are pretty, you know, prime years for for you know up and coming pro golfers. Um, and so he wasn't really developing as a pro golfer at, at that time. Um, so yeah, maybe you know. Maybe by splitting his attention between baseball and golf, he you know he didn't get to to be a, a real star in either. But he may, I think he made up for it uh, after his baseball career because he did by the early forties he was he was considered one of the top golfers. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. Um... So going again back to 33, he, he tries his hand at playing professional golf, but he goes back to the Yankees after the golf season. It had to have been really only about the money because I can't imagine that if you have the kind of potential that he had for the golf tour for hitting a golf ball. Why would you elect to go back and play baseball and ride the pine yeah. as opposed to going out mm -hmm. and, and starring, starring on the tour and making a name for yourself that way? Well, it was the getting a, a good, good salary from the Yankees. Uh, it was hard to pass that up. Um, I remember, I remember reading, uh, quotes from Bird in which he, he compared the difference between being a pro baseball player and a, and a pro golfer. And he said the pressures on a pro golfer is much, much greater, much, much greater. Wow. He says a pro baseball player, you have all your teammates. Now he was blessed with these tremendous teammates on the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But the point he was I think he was trying to make was was as a pro golfer, you're a team of one. And whether you whether you you're gonna make any money on a tournament, it, it, it sits squarely on your shoulders. So there was no, you know, you had no guaranteed salary. You 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 had to do well enough in the tournament to 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 earn a paycheck. And so, uh, yeah, he felt the pressure of, of that situation. And I think it's probably was um, uh, easier to, uh, uh, to get the, the, a good salary from the Yankees. Mm -hmm. Well, with the Yankees, after the 1934 season, his sixth with the Yankees and which he hit 281 overall, he finally got his break when Cincinnati purchased his contract. He went to the Reds, and he became a full-time player. Listen to these numbers. He played in 121 games. He came to the plate. Well, he had 416 at-bats. 
hit nine home runs, knocked in 52. He hit 262 overall. I mean, he was a solid ball player. How was that first season with the Reds, and how was he accepted there, and how 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 did he play? So he, the, the Reds, I guess, were like the Yankees in that they were they they felt they never had enough outfielders. They were always trying to acquire more. So uh, his his time as a starter uh, was relatively short, and this this was in part uh, due to the fact that the Reds acquired a future Hall of Famer, Kai Kai Kyler, um, as an, another outfielder for the team. And so that eventually that cut into Bird's playing time in the outfield when Kyler joined the team. Yeah, it's really amazing because Bird had a decent season with the Reds in 1935. And I guess the Reds, and he, he wasn't that old. I mean, he was all of 27 years old in 1935. So he's in the prime of his career. He's finally getting a shot. The disappointment at this point must have been, you know, there had to have been disappointment. He gets, he gets a chance to play and it's not like he didn't play well. And then in 36, he only appears in 59 games, hits 248 with two home runs and 13 ribbies. And after that season, that's when he goes on, uh, you know, the Reds and uh, uh, leaves the Reds for the Cardinals. And the Cardinals want to demote him. And he says, you know what? I've had enough. But before he went to the Cardinals, he did have a couple of a couple of pretty big highlights and one heck of a night on May 23rd, 1936. If I got this right, he did something that no player had ever done before him. Can you tell us about that? So, yes, indeed. So it was the bottom of the ninth in Cincinnati, and the Reds were trailing the Pittsburgh Pirates three to nothing, and the bases were loaded, and the Reds manager, Chuck Dressen, sent Bird in to pinch hit. And the very first pitch from the Pirates hurler, Cy Blanton, Bird hit a home run. So this isn't any old home run. This is a grand slam. It was it was a walk-off grand slam, bottom of the ninth. So the score went from three nothing deficit to four three dramatic victory for the Reds. Wow! And and the baseball historians call this rare event of a grand slam to win the game in the bottom of the ninth an ultimate grand slam. And <laughs> I guess you can't really. I mean, you can't argue with that term. It does seem like the ultimate. He was the first pinch hitter. He was the first to pinch hit an ultimate grand slam in Major League history that day, 
May 23rd, 1936. That's a heck of a story. Did he have any other particular highlights? You know, um, it's tough for a reserve player and a guy who only really gets an opportunity to play full-time for one season over the course of eight years. But were there any other highlights during his baseball career that stick out? Well, um, there were there were times when he got to start a game here or there, and he, he, he shined uh, when he um, – let me see if I can find the example here in my notes. The um, – in uh, his rookie season in 1929, he filled in for a sick Babe Ruth uh, for about 17-day period. And he had 321. He made only one error and 40 chances in right field. And there was one game against the Chicago White Sox. Sports writer Irving Vaughn praised Bird's fielding in right field and, and noted that it was quite an upgrade over Bay Ruth's fielding. Vaughn wrote, on three occasions, Bird flagged drives that the ponderous Babe would have been forced to welcome on the first hop. <laughs> so, yeah, Bird was, was Babe Ruth's legs out there defensively helping the Yankees in the late innings. You know, Steve, I I can't help but think to myself, and I'm sure without a doubt that it's happened to other ballplayers, they get stuck behind someone or a couple of guys, and they just never get the opportunity to really go out and prove themselves and establish themselves as solid baseball players who could have contributed so much more and perhaps even become an all-star player, but they never get the shot. And when you read about Sam Bird and look about the numbers that he put up and the players that he played behind, and again, going back to those numbers that he put up, when given the opportunity to play every day, you got to sit there and scratch your head and go, man, this guy could have been so much more. Yeah, this, the stats of, of a backup, generally, you're going to see lower batting averages because they're not playing regularly. It's hard to stay sharp. Um, and But yet he still had good batting averages for the Yankees. And when he got to play, regularly for for spans of say two weeks at a time yeah he was hitting 320 330 um that you know that's as good as you could hope for no doubt after that 35 season or i'm sorry the 36 season as as you said before uh uh the reds gave up on him shipped him off to st louis and the Cardinals were going to put him down to the minors. Was it at that point, at the age of 28, when Bird said, you know what, 
I've had enough of being a reserve ball player. I'm just not going to get a shot, and I'm going to go give golf a try full time. Is that really what happened? He just said, you know what? I've had my time sitting on the bench. Yeah, I think he had been thinking about that transition probably for two or three years. Um, that that was one of his goals to give pro golf a try, focus on that. Um, and so maybe he was waiting for the right opportunity when when major his major league baseball opportunity was coming to an end. Uh, that was his time to to make that move and and when the cardinals when the cardinals heard that he didn't want to go to the minors branch ricky who famous famously brought jackie robinson to the big leagues in 1947 branch ricky was running the cardinals farm system at that time 1936 and branch ricky said oh we don't want to lose him he doesn't want to go to the minors um uh, you know uh, uh, why don't you why, why don't you join the major league cardinals yeah but that was going to be sitting on the bench again and pinch hitting and and bird had, had already decided it was time to give pro golf a try yeah i guess eight years of sitting on the bench can finally uh can finally wear you down but turning to professional golf man it wasn't the worst decision um, after a slow start, he really got it going. Um, you know, he won his share of turn tournaments. Uh, what can you tell us that you haven't already about his time on the PGA Tour? Um, I tried to research carefully and find the the all the tournaments that he'd won um, because I had. I found an article that that said he had he won 23 tournaments in his career, uh, which which ended in 1949. So so from 1937 to 1949, he won 23 tournaments. But you know, you look at all the great record keeping in baseball; it's not easy to find the golf records and yeah yeah i think i think of those 23 i think only 11 count as official pga tour wins but man he was a contender like you said um he finished third in the masters in 1941 he was second in the pga in 1945 he did play in the u.s open a couple times his best finish was 16th in 1939 and man he beat some pretty big names in the tournaments he did win and um 1942 the greater greensboro open he finished ahead of hogan ben hogan and lloyd mangrum in 43 he won the chicago victory national open uh finishing second was craig wood and he was five strokes back of bird 45 he beat Byron Nelson with a course record in the Texas Open. I mean, this guy was this guy was good. And as much as we sit here and wonder how good he could have been had he been a full-time baseball player, you also got to wonder how good 
he could have been as a full-time golfer had he started in his in his 20s. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I think I think you make a good point. I think you make a good point. If he had focused on pro golf, his his pro golf career may have been uh, may have been spectacular. Um, hard to say, but I mean, just think of what a talented guy to uh, to excel in in both baseball and golf, and and. Uh, uh, but unfortunately, never, never reached the pinnacle in either. Nah, he didn't. And that really is unfortunate. Hey, Steve, when you look back at the career or careers of Sam Bird, if somebody came up to you and said, and I'm about to do it, how should he be remembered? Well, Steve, how should Sam Bird be remembered? I think he is still remembered today as perhaps the the best golfer to come out of the pro baseball world. I, I I've actually found quotes people still remembering him and giving him that recognition. Um, but as you say, he might have done even better if he was just focused on golf and not and not spent the time on the baseball. But there have been many, many uh, guys who, uh, you know, in pro baseball, pro football, who were great all-around athletes who tried their hand at pro golf and didn't do very well. And Bird might have been the best of uh, these guys in terms of his success in pro golf. No doubt. Well, Steve, I want to thank you for taking some time to spend with me on Sports Forgotten Heroes, your biography about Sam Bird in the Sabre Bio Project was a wonderful recap of a really terrific career on the baseball diamond and on the golf links. And again, I want to say thank you for joining me For his career, Bird hit 274, mostly as a part-time player. He slugged 38 home runs, drove in 220, had 101 doubles, and he hit 10 triples. In his lone season as a full-time starter, 1935, with the Cincinnati Reds, Bird hit 262 with 9 home runs and 52 RBI. But the Reds had other plans for other ballplayers after that season, and Sam just finally gave up on baseball after 1936 and went to the PGA Tour full-time. Not a bad decision. Not a bad decision at all. I'd like to thank my guest, Stephen Rice, once again for spending some time with us. And thanks to all of you for taking the time to listen. And I look forward to seeing all of you again next time on Sports Forgotten Heroes.